pushing the boundaries of expectations and rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. This is a way of life, a huge and growing community of explorers and adventurers, leading the way, blazing new trails, and raising the bar. We share your hunger for a life without limits, and we know you'll stop at nothing to get there. Greetings and welcome back to your Kinetic Bleed Podcast. I'm Stephen Kenyon. So glad that you could make it back with us again today. If you would like to receive an occasional text message, just text the word Kinetic to 844-844-0049. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Also, make sure if you're in the Orlando area or if you're going to be in the area coming up on June the 26th, go ahead and reserve your seat for this month's How to Attract Wisdom anytime you want it. It's a brunch reception. Megan and I will both be there. Yes. Be there or be square. <laughs> if you would like to be on the Kinetic Bleak Podcast, the number is 720-626-8649. Hello, Miss Maggie. Hello, Steven. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I love that. Fridays are fun, aren't they? Oh, they're just... The, you're embarking on the weekend. Have you have you noticed how fast they're coming? I have. I feel like that's why I almost stopped saying it because I feel like I said it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you probably did. I probably did. But wasn't there a time when it just seemed like every day was Monday? and yes. But now it's like every day's Friday. That's probably indicative of, of doing something you really love. It's a good sign, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. You get up really early now. I know. Speaking of doing things you love. I'm so excited to... To just to get to it in the mornings lately. But I have to say, I have been going to bed very early, too. That helps. <laughs> yeah, but girl, you're getting up at 6, 6 a.m., 5.45 in the morning, I'm just o'clock. waking up then. I don't know. I well, I like the smell of coffee in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you, that's what you like. <laughs> I mean, getting up to make the coffee. <laughs> it's really, I'm impressed, though. Uh, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Steve. Hey, question. Okay. I was just thinking about this, this this morning and aptitude and the natural tendency to like one thing versus another thing. And, mm. you know, we were looking at this video the other day of this little three-year-old girl who I think is playing at Carnegie Hall now, the piano. But apparently, she's, of course, she's one of those that you play something on the piano and she plays it. But the thing that really, I think, was odd about her was that she can read music yeah. without being taught how to read music. They, they open up the book and she's looking straight up. She's three years old. Tiny. So her, her feet are just, you know, barely off the edge of the stool. But she looks <laughs> at the, the music and her tiny little hands, the dexterity in both her hands, they're going, they're independent one mm. of the other. Three years old yeah. can play music that you open up and put in front of her. It makes me wonder the difference between maybe a savant and a prodigy. Because that has to be leaning towards savant, not not so much prodigy. Because because she just did it. You know, the story went that that she was shown one time, and she was able to read music and play the piano. So you know, that really points to something else. And then, but you know, there there are different reasons that they've come up with scientifically for the uh, abilities of a savant. But then you also can go. You can probe a little deeper in seeing that there has to be an old soul here, <laughs> one that's coming. You're be- like, who is in there? <laughs> because because the story was, I think she can only read the music of and only play the music of the classics, for example. Oh and if word. you if you open up the music and you yeah. know it's um, Mo- Moon River, she's, oh. <laughs> she can't play it. <laughs> she doesn't play. Do- <laughs> Duke Ellington. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's at a loss, but open up some Mozart or well, something. Well, and then I have playing. to say, a point that you made that I'd never really thought about before was, you know, a lot of times when children are really 
amazing, over the top, weirdly good at music. They're compared to Mozart. But then you made this very stunning point. I hadn't really thought about that much that, you know, Mozart was composing. Right. He's five years old. I mean, he's composing. That is a whole other... He wasn't just regurgitating music that had already been written. I mean, this is this is wild. Well, I believe Mozart, people like Mozart, they're sampling what already is, and they are a vessel yes. that is willing to be used of what already exists yeah. beyond. A conduit. Yeah, but then there are those that are practiced in the, the vessels yeah. of the Mozarts that can say, oh, yeah, I remember that one from you know a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. And it goes something like this, a one and a two. <laughs> A one and a two. <laughs> Is that and what I'm they three do? Years old. <laughs> that got me. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh man. I have to say that it was always um, uh, kind of strange because anytime I went to a conservatory during, I would always go to some different. I never went to the same one conservatory for music during the summers for about two weeks, uh, beginning at maybe ten years old, and then all the way up through college, and. There was always, you know, the, the very first chairs, you know, one or two chairs, the concert mistress, the concert master. It was always some very young kid. Mm-hmm. It was always one of those kids that were just crazy excelling at their craft way in, in a supernatural way. It, it was just always funny. Well, that, where do they go when they get older? Uh, probably Juilliard. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then on to... <laughs> you just don't see them anymore. Well, yeah. I mean... They... Not up close and in person anyway, right. maybe. From yeah. The... From the back row of the... It was funny. I was sitting there with my, my teacher for a concert. Uh, this girl, she was like eight years old, you know, and she was currently at Juilliard as she was giving the concert. So she's eight years old. She attends Juilliard. She gets done, and, and I asked my teacher, James, and I said, what did, what did you think? And he said, it was perfect. <laughs> but, but who wants like, perfect, right? But, you know, like, are we bitter? You, at reeks of bitterness, Yes, James. we are bitter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Go ahead and admit it. Okay. I don't like it. <laughs> it is perfect. I, I, I work too hard. You know, you're watching an well, eight-year-old. I have to say, I get a tinge of that. Every time you show me or I find one of these videos, a little three- or four-year-old kid oh. is tearing it up. And, oh, man. You know, I'm spending a lifetime working. I remember. I can remember I'm 10 years old. And I've got all this music coming through, but, you know, almost reduced to tears because my, my hands wouldn't do what I'm hearing. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like the dexterity's yeah. not there. And so just the, 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 the muscle memory, the practice of all that was frustrating to me. Wow. But you yeah. see that, you know, this little girl and her, her, you know, you could put both her hands in the palm of my left hand. But isn't this a good analogy of, of being aware of, of gratitude because... You're a composer, and you're self-taught, and you've been writing music since you were a child. And But is it ever enough? No. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. <laughs> well, that was today's podcast. It's never enough. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> I'm so grateful. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, what is your favorite uh, piece that you've composed? Oh, that's, I couldn't. It, that, that depends on my mood. Are so they like your children? It's kind of <laughs> like, what's your favorite movie? Yeah. You know, when I, I, at one time, it was The Wizard of Oz. What's your, what's your favorite to play? Is it really just your mood? Or is there well, just a I piece so. you love to Usually my favorite out? is the most recent because it's still the fresh, freshest. Fresh, yeah. But I like, I like Eternal Love. I like playing I love it. Eternal Love. I think it, because it's so spirited and free-flowing. And it also, it's the first one we played together that's true so, so it has a, a of, mm, sentimentality probably. attached to it um my favorite one of yours one of my favorites my go-to is um sailing 
Yeah. I love listening to sailing. Those cellos at the beginning, oh, so rich, it, so it, good. Now, I have to say that that piece does take you out into the water very it does. quickly. I mean, it gives you that sensation of it the really swells and when the you, sailing and the wind. And and, the, and I can even hear the yeah. shimmers, the shimmers of the water. But yeah. my favorite piece of yours to play is, is August Moon, for sure. Okay. Just because of the violin part. It's, it's so rich. Well, speaking of all these old souls, if, if you could go back in time, mm-hmm. okay, to any era, okay. and, and this might... This might uh, shed some light on some attributes or something. I don't know. But if you could go back to any time, what what would you choose? What era? Yeah. And and why? I mean, would you want to be like a, a, a cave person running from dinosaurs? I never thought of that. That's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> you always think, you know, Renaissance or, or um, you know, the Rainbow Room in New York. But cave person. I a never, cave person. You know, Stegosaurus is yeah. next door. Is on a leash out back. <laughs> yes, like the Flint and Steggy. <laughs> Seriously, That's though. funny. What do you um, think? Well, you know, I, I'm always very conflicted about this question when I've thought of it in the past because, you know... Have you thought of this before? I have because... I guess we all maybe well, think... Anytime you see a movie something. or something yeah. about that, you think about it. But, I mean, is it the fairy tale version of that time or the real gritty version of that time? Because, you know, I think the Renaissance time would be amazing, but I wouldn't want, you know, any of the like beheadings or <laughs> all the well, scary you can't have stuff. It both ways. Okay. Well, then in that case, I would want to um, be a part of like like when the Rat Pack was at the height of their stardom mm-hmm. and the Rainbow Room was in full swing and the, But now the that's clothing. interesting because when you look back on say the Rat Pack era, are you seeing yourself as one of the Rat Pack or are you seeing yourself as somebody that's never been can't afford to go see them and you've only heard about it and you are uh, scrubbing the the decks of ships out in the shipyard. And, what? Well, I mean, th- well, that's I would part be as of it, amazing isn't it? Your, then, your role in that era. But I, I would be as amazing then as I am now. So I would probably be singing because that's my favorite kind okay. of music to sing. So you're one of the Rat Pack. Well, I open for them. They open for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting complicated, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Check with my agent. Yes. <laughs> Your people call my people. Because that is part of it. I mean, you know, yeah. it's kind of like the most people that believe that they're reincarnated, they were a, a queen or a princess or someone, except for the guy that was the flight attendant that said he was oh my goodness i forgot rosa about him or yes, rosa. from 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 south america yes he's and i don't remember why he knew that but he knew I, but yeah it was some it was just different though but and i'm not yeah. sure why he told us um, he was hilarious <laughs> i i see myself more as a cowboy mm. going back to the era cow, but you know something interesting about that is that really is not too historic when you think of an american cowboy um, well, Australia was infinitely wilder than the so-called Wild West of the United States. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if it, it would be an Aus- Australian cowboy, maybe. But I don't. I don't know. But it, it, again, like there's so many negatives. Like I think this actually, this exercise actually shines a light on how amazing our current existence really is. The technology, mm-hmm. you know, just the the uh, the peace that most of us do get to experience in our lives because if you think about even you know certain eras then all of a sudden you realize oh man you know we were at war the the world was mm. at war there are just so many negatives in the past about these eras and so to look well today, you want to take your perfected self and go back because now I don't know that I would want to just be out riding fences 
um, in the middle of nowhere every day all the time. Well, in the Wild West but, was like... you know, I see, I'm going to wear spurs and walk down Main Street. But you can do that now. Okay, well, then I, mean, I don't need to time travel. Well, cowboy. <laughs> anyway, interesting, interesting to think about. I want to know what the KVs think. I want to know what you guys think. Give us a call and let us know. Yes. <laughs> where, if you get to time travel, where you, are you going? Where are you going? And why? Yeah. So anyway, I think that's always fascinating. Well, speaking of uh, calling in, we have an email that was sent, and we have a question from Vancouver, Canada, from Shauna, and she asks the question, I am so excited, and she went so, like, with a bunch of O's. <laughs> I am so excited about reinventing myself. I've learned so much about myself in just the past two months. I heard on yesterday's podcast, you talking about making kinetic belief a way of life. I feel myself shifting and see my life shifting before my eyes. However, I keep looking forward when I'm imagining things to change. Is this the correct way to, quote, imagine my life as I want it to be by looking forward to see what I am, I'm expecting to show up? Yeah, there can be a sense of emergency when we are ready to shift. And um, mm. thank you for the question, Shauna. Yeah, thanks, I, Shauna. By the way, I love Vancouver, Canada, yes. one of my favorite places. But... There can be this, you know, sense of excitement, and she's obviously, gosh, she just caught that fresh wind, fresh fire sense of, hey, I've got this, things are happening in my life, I'm ready for more. Mm -hmm. And especially when you've made the determination and the decision that, yes, I am ready to shift, I'm ready to move on from what I'm familiar with at this point. Regardless of whatever it is that you're desiring to see come and manifest into your life, that you wish to see start showing up, all of it comes the exact same way. So for those of you who um, obviously like Shauna and myself and most KBs, we want to know how things work. Is there a quick kinetic belief now format? Is there a, a kinetic belief guide for dummies which is perfect for myself, but it's, what is the lesson here regarding the substance of belief from, from quantum physics? How do I make this happen now? Get it now. Dose on it now. Belief causes a quantum fluctuation, which results in quantum tunneling without going down this road too far. Basically, and we've discussed this before, you're creating a bubble, Shauna, in your life. First of all, you you are dynamically creating a space the moment you determine that, yes, I want this and I want it to begin showing up right now. So you've started, you've started preparing that space for things to show up in your life. Well, then there is something called the God particle, which was the mainstream media's um, phrase for actually the Higgs particle, which is a substance that permeates all of space, which can be... Uh, it, it's formed around us, and it's when you create a thought form like you're wanting to shift your reality, shift the life, you're creating thought forms for these things to manifest, there is an energy to your desire that is resulting in something that's called quantum supersymmetry. Quantum supersymmetry, that is the uh, standard model in quantum physics which says that every particle has a partner. It has its own own, um, uh, anti-particle. And so this is the beginning of understanding regarding the duplicity of thought. In in other words, am I thinking in the future? Am I supposed to think present tense? Am I looking backward? Because we are going to be attracting something that 
the mind says it's futuristic because I'm not going to, the mind is thinking, see it until a later time. However, the attraction is taking place in real time, present tense time. And so this is where I can see Shauna gets a little confused and others do as well, including myself. When we start becoming and practicing and working on gratitude, for example, am I being grateful on what I hope to see one day? Or am I being grateful for what I imagine to believe to see right now? And that is the correct answer. Because you want the attraction to take place now. You imagine to see it now. The attraction is happening now, even though you won't see the manifestation until tomorrow. When your now arrives tomorrow, look at it like you're building a house and the, 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 um, the contractor says, well, now this house won't be finished for six months. It will be finished in six months because you start building it today. Yeah. Even though you're not going to see it completed for six months. So the action takes place today. The blueprint is in place today. All of the materials are coming to the site to be constructed with today. So the gratitude for your house is happening today, even though you're going to see the full, complete manifestation of it six months from now. If you were not to do the present tense gratitude and imagination and all those parts and and modalities of kinetic belief today, Six months would never come with a completed manifestation. Right. And that's how this works. One of my favorite uh, examples that you gave for the posturing yourself for manifestation was you said, you know, you, when you're manifesting, you never want, once that thing shows up you know, for reals in your life, you never want to be the, the kid, the wide-eyed, doe-eyed kid in New York City, you know, gaping at the tall buildings. You, this is something where you want to be so seated in those imaginations and like you've said before you want to be able to see it so clearly that it's you know burned under the back of your eyelids you have imagined it so much that it has truly become your reality and so that belief system is now merging with what has now shown up and there's not even really a disconnect and I I love that analogy of you know you don't want to be wide-eyed and shocked when it shows up because well really that's it wouldn't show up if you're practicing in that way yeah and that is so good isn't it just you want to see it as it's burned on the back of your eyelids because we're working on a highest viewpoint for that imagination that shauna is grateful for seeing on the back of her eyelids as having manifested right now because what she's doing is she's working on one half of the creation of her shifting identity of her shifting life that's her responsibility is one half of it in the same way that the default of thought is from the, if you're not imagining on purpose and engraving this on the back of your eyelids, the <laughs> default is, that's going to happen, you can't opt out of this thing, right. is the lowest nature of self. Oh, you don't, want to, you don't want anything on the back of your eyelids. Well, I'm going to put something there for you. Yeah. And it's going to be one half of the creation that you're going to see in your life. And it's going to be a digression of what you expect. It's going to be probably more of the same, but on a lesser level than all of that stuff. Because the, the partner particle is attracted to form by the God particle, which is the, it's the stabilizing constructor to all forms in the universe. 
without the stability of, of quantum supersymmetry, the, the universe would just collapse on itself. Mm-hmm. There would, we wouldn't even have to worry about shifting. We would just be part of that collapsing. But, now, but this hasn't happened, has it? Because we're having this conversation. <laughs> we are here. So the good news is your thoughts, when held in a continuous thought form on the back of your eyelids or better yet, in your journal, will manifest, and, and that just shows us that, that the engine is still working, that this is not for naught, that you're part of this expanding universe. Good news. You will have what you kinetically believe to manifest into your life. Something uh, that we've discussed in the past that I find, I always find an interesting topic is how our biology, the way that we are knit together physically, it actually supports this process because... When you're, for example, when I am memorizing a new piece of music to play, there is a time where I am having to think about every note, read every note, hear every note, and eventually I develop muscle memory. And so I'm not choosing to play those notes. It just, I, once I kickstart it, it just flows. And that's exactly how these imaginations work. You know, we've read so many and seen so many studies on how, how, your body does not know the difference between something that you are simply imagining and that you're physically doing, mm-hmm. which I think is so exciting because you can quite literally create those those sort of, uh, I think of ruts, you know, like when you drive over the same patch of grass and you're mm-hmm. just sort of causing dents in the grass. And I think of that with our imagination. And when, we, when we're doing this repetitively, eventually it's not even really a choice. You know, you're developing these instinctual habits of believing for your best life, which is just such a cool concept that we're, we're really insulating those ideas and those imaginations. It's not day one every day. It, we, we, we're growing in this. And it's like we were talking about yesterday, that the, to be a KB is a successful KB is a way of life. To do what Shauna is working on, this shift, you know, is it present tense? Am I looking in the future? Where's my gratitude supposed to be and all that? Um, the, she's a successful KB. And, and because, like you're saying, there is a duplicity to our nature within every human being. There's a creative factory on the inside of us. <laughs> yes. And we have shelving over here with components that are great, great for us, great for the product that we're imagining to manifest in our lives. And over here is all the shelving of, of misfits and broken parts. And all of this comes with duct tape, by the way, <laughs> to get it to stay in place for a little while. But it's, it's not pretty. And it's not going to last. And probably most of that will come with sorrow. It's a Franken imagination. <laughs> Franken? Yes. <laughs> or freaking. Either one. <laughs> but yes. So, but that's inside, that's inside of all of us. That's the creative factory. Yeah. Every person is a distribution center for original source substance. Should they choose? There's Should a choice. Yes. There's a choice. And the resulting life that then unfolds before every believer is the result of what each one chooses to believe. There's a lot of enticements that come with all the duct tape and the parts and probably doesn't cost you as much or seems like it's not going to cost like you anything. Yeah. a shortcut. And, then, and that really points back to the character of the creative believer. The things that you desire to see, that's what determines each one's choice of beliefs. Mm. 
the highest viewpoint. See, thoughts thoughts are forms, just like the forms of the, that are around us, tables and chairs, and those are forms. Thoughts are also forms, and these are the things that we work with. These are the things that attract more of like kind. Mm-hmm. So all of us have imagined desires, which has creative power. That's the factory. That's the engine inside of us that you, you get these wheels and pistons turning and you're creating something. And so whatever thought form you hold as a continual idea, you've got your journal, your blueprint. This is the way it's going to be. I like the way you do that. This is how it will be. It must manifest then as a visible form. And you do that present tense in your mind first. So, Shauna, then your unwavering thought forms will attract the substance into your reality. Well, you know, the way that you just described this creative factory that we all are, it it revealed an interesting perspective on this creative process, this manifestation process, because not only... Are we committed to to what we are believing to manifest, what we're believing is going to show up in our lives to the point that we can see it, you know, we can actually see it before it shows up. But another component of this is actually trusting the process, trusting the process of the creative factory, trusting mm-hmm. that, that the modalities of kinetic belief, if I follow those correctly mm-hmm. and fully and to the, to the end, to the finish, that this will show up because it's always tempting halfway through, three quarters of the way through to quit. You, you think, well, I tried this, it didn't work. I tried this, it didn't work. Well, we have to trust the completion of the process of kinetic belief as well. Yes, to trust just means that you're convinced. Yes. And until you're convinced, you won't really trust it. The moment that you are convinced of the existence of your present tense desire, that's when your desire becomes a real thing. It's very tangible. No one else can see it yet, perhaps. And they'll even think that you are a little spooky. You're certainly weird. And how can you say all this stuff when, look at you, you're, you're, you're in tatters. You're your a environment, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, a man. you're a man. All of that. But it's real to you. Yes. You're convinced and you trust it because you are convinced within the substance of matter within the universe. Megan, you have a convinced space that you are waiting for the landing of the aircraft that's coming up out of the water, out of the sky. That tic-tac is going to land right there in the space you've created <laughs> because you're convinced and you trust it. Have you been reading the, yeah, the Pentagon that. papers yeah, that were just released? I think we're all seeing that. <laughs> but you know, what you're describing is so cool because when you're talking about not caring what people think, you're going to look a little kooky. You're going to look a little nutty. But you know, that just gave me this visual of like a, a big spiritual flex. How cool are you? How amazing, how, how, you know, cutting edge badass are you to be doing this, existing in this plane where your thoughts are the, are the final authority. What you say is what matters. And, and you're, and you just have this amazing wall put up where other people's opinions and, and things that are trying to come in are concerned. And it doesn't matter that you're wearing spurs walking down main street. You are a cowboy. (laughs) You are a cowgirl. You're doing things the way that you think they ought to be done. Yes. But this is the quantum physical fact that's got to be impressed upon every successful kinetic believer's understanding. That, you know what? A desire held in a thought form, that is a real thing. That you can trust. That is a tangible. It doesn't matter if you can see it or not, whether it's visible to the eye or not. Because it contains the substance of form that actually exists, even when it is not yet visible. 
So the creative creator, Shauna, is internalizing that form when she holds the belief as a desire. That just reminded me. I, I remember watching a great video of when they first opened that skywalk, the glass skywalk that juts out over the Grand Canyon. More crazy people. Well, it was Actually, interesting. I would do that. I would, I would too. I would but but it was interesting because as people were walking out, some people would just boldly walk out, you know, and it's a completely glass floor. <laughs> right. I mean, and I'm sure they had it sparkling clean, so it looked invisible. Oh, you're, but sure. some people boldly walked out, and then others, you know, their knees are knocking. They are gripping the side of the walkway. They can't even begin to trust that glass, mm. and I just immediately saw those two archetypes from what you were describing a minute ago. This idea that, look, you can't see it, but, you know, why have we been programmed to think that just because it's in our mind that it's not real? Right. But, you know, something that we do all have, which I think is the saving grace of God, is we have this internalized knowing that whatever you believe really does become a reality for you. There's a knowing. We each have that. That's why there's spirituality. That's why the world has all of its religions. That's what keeps science on the cusp of new uh, exploration. And it's, it's the the archetypes like you're talking about that are attracted to one or the other. They're either trusting in what the knowing is or they're doubting it because they're steeped in the ego, yeah. steeped in needing to be told what to believe and not trusting on that inner unction of spirit, the inner unction of wisdom. Mm -hmm. But then when you're surrounded by the invisible substance of the things that are associated with your thoughts and it's coming out of that knowing, and you're working from that higher place of being, that higher, uh, you, you're transcending the egoist thoughts that are identifying with forms that you can already see, thought forms that are degrading. When you desire something from this higher place, and you journal those details and the picture of it, and you do it with clarity, and you hold the thought form unwavering in your mind, and like you were saying yesterday, look, journaling is not a diary. Okay, you, 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 you may still want to put a lock on it, but it is not a diary. A diary, that's, that's what is happening to you. We, you, should, you we, <laughs> we start selling, you know, our journals with little keys and locks. I, I, would, I think I'd like that on mine. Might as well. But you, you, can't, you can't care what other people think, right? That's true, exactly. So, but a diary is what's happening to you. If you journal what's happening to you, whatever's happening to you is going to continue to happen to you. Yes, you're reinforcing it. No, a kinetic belief journal is your purpose for living book. And this is your book of convictions. This is your article of faith. And this is your unwavering convictions regarding the unctions, the identity that you have within you, mm -hmm. um, you know, the purposes that you are choosing by choice. You have the authority. You've got the dominion to make the choice. And in agreement with the fate of your existence that you're imagining to receive and, and adhere to and rely on and to manifest into your life. So it's by continually choosing to experience the emotions of your desire having already come to pass, real present tense time. You do this through the meditative practice of gratitude. And as though you have already received it, not some future tense thing. Um, what advice would you give for someone who's who's working on, on manifesting something into their life? And yeah, I, I, don't, I want to ask this in the right way. So a lot of times when we're manifesting something, it's, it's, we see it as a process. Let's say that it's something that we want to happen in our, in our business. We're an entrepreneur. We're wanting it to happen. Mm -hmm. And it, we're, we're struggling to have conversations about building the business 
to where we are, ex, you know, speaking always in expectant success, expecting success, expecting growth, but while still problem solving mm-hmm. and being able to have those mm-hmm. conversations. How, how do we, you know, balance and maneuver that? Start at the end and work back. Don't start where you are and work forward. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to the moon, see yourself on the moon, see yourself already there, and then work out the problems coming back to where you are. Because then you're, you're just assembling the pieces and you do it in, a, in an exciting way, knowing that the end is, is now, instead of trying to see if you will make it to the end. Imagine it done. See it already done. Mm-hmm. It's like if you imagine you have uh, the pieces, let's go back to a, a building or a house, and you imagine this house constructed and it's beautifully made, exactly like you desire it. And then a swift wind comes and it collapses it and all these pieces are laying here on the table. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what the house looks like and it's still there on the table. And so you excited, you get up at six o'clock in the morning with Maggie and have your <laughs> coffee and you run out there and you start putting all these pieces back together, not to see if it's going to build a house or not, because you know it will. You've got the blueprint. You're excited. You've already seen it. You've been in it. You've looked around. You know what it's like to be there. You can feel it. You wow. can taste it. Yeah. You can smell it. You've done the work. You've done the imagination uh, work of this. You've, you know, laying there going to sleep at night you've gone through the the mental gymnastics of putting yourself in the midst of this palace this house this space whatever it is you know what that's like and you see the pieces so the action now is working toward the completed project that you can already imagine to see and that really shines a, a fresh and a bright light on why we call journaling blueprinting and why it's so necessary because we do have to have conversations. We do have to work towards goals. But what you just said is so powerful, this idea of making sure that the journaling, your, your blueprint that you've defined, that that is the source from which all conversations flow and not the other way around. That's, that's fantastic. Kinetic belief is the power to heal. Kinetic belief is what Jesus used to walk on water. Kinetic belief is the thing that um, all of the world's... Uh, greatest, the inventors and the elite athletes. This is the thing that propels them forward to do what others would say is impossible, to attract a miracle into their lives, to make a zillion dollars, whatever it is. And and it's with an enthusiasm that doesn't grow weary, that doesn't doubt, because the material form already, it it has to manifest according to the universal law, which creates, which is the Mm fundamental power and authority of kinetic belief the modalities when in place will change circumstances it will change the reality that we've been accustomed to wow and now what i want to say actually this is the most important aspect of manifesting your your desires um shauna look give no consideration and create no viewpoint for thought forms regarding yourself in connection with sickness in connection with disease, in connection with lack, in connection with poverty, not having enough, wishing things were different, um, wishing you were already in the future instead of where you are now. Only conceptualize and only meditate uh, upon your, your health as being perfect. Desire yourself 
and see yourself as already strong and well, and you've got great wealth because you are wealth. Journal these thought forms and imagine to see them as they are right now. And if you do these things, and if you do it with conviction, and, and if you view things like sickness and disease and, and as violations of the laws of which the physical body was originally meant to represent, then I'm telling you that your desires will always manifest in the natural to be seen. So, Keep working on your highest viewpoint ideas of yourself as you desire to be now. Grateful that you are that now. If, if you wanted to become an actor and your desire is to become great at the art form of acting, then you're going to picture yourself as a great actor. And you're going to you, you see yourself on stage or on the screen with this unmatched eloquence and with this ability of uh, to be able to act, you know, representative of your inner genius that's already there. And you imagine yourself as the great actor in every possible situation. And even though right now you're at the very beginning and you might just be working with a coach to work on your acting, never forget, never fail to be the greatest actor in your thought forms of yourself. As you see yourself, What's happening? You're constructing and you're put, all those pieces are quickly, gratefully being put into place for what you know already exists. Wow. And then as those images grow and grow and develop more habitually in your mind without you having to dig down and find the, the cowboy hat and the, the, the spurs and boots to put your, <laughs> the, the, your cowboy actor together, it's just like that. You, it's a habit now. Then those creative forces from within you and, and your surroundings begin to work together and you're attracting those energetics and it's just, it's becoming seamless in this, this synergy of energy that's mm-hmm. attracting and flowing to you and through you to manifest your desire. You know, as, as I was just listening to you take us through that process and that, that depth of understanding, I just had this intense love for our cabies wash over me because you know, our listeners, the, the kinetic believers that stick with this podcast, that do the journaling, that have that have turned that corner in their life and they make these choices every day. You know, it's not easy. It's not always easy. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And I just have such a, a, a love right now imagining everyone listening and, and, the, and the way that they have made that decision because it's it's so rare. It actually is quite rare to, to decide to take a hold of those reins in your life and take that responsibility on yourself and make those changes. Well, and one of the biggest things, the obstacles that most KBs run into, and if you haven't, not to put belief, not to put faith in this, but it will probably happen sooner um, rather than later if it hasn't already. And that is the typical kind of border bully that you're going to run into, especially depending on just how stellar you are imagining your your journey to become, they're going to be border bullies, hanger honors to, to try to tell you or remind you that you're not qualified, you're not capable to drag you down, to pull you back, yeah. to reason with you, to, to stop your dream, stop the so-called madness of your, of your weirdness. And this is a typical perspective of border bullies that are in your life. And they see themselves as the one who is either going to empower you or take that power away from you. Wow. I'm the authority in your life. I took it from you years and years ago, and you need my permission mm. 
And I haven't granted that permission yet. So sit down and bring yourself down a notch. Well, and something that it took me a long time to to learn as a kinetic believer is that it's not always the in your face, uh, you know, border bullies that are that are tearing you down actively with their words a lot of times it can just simply be the absence of encouragement the absence of championing you and that's one thing that as a kb you have new standards you you engage with people who only champion you because that's what you do and so getting everybody in your life, making sure that everybody in your life is on that same vibrational frequency one way or another. Oh, that's such a good point. It's really That's really good because over 50% of communication is nonverbal. Isn't it? it (laughs) Like 99%. It can be a cold cold bowl of soup that is speaking volumes to you tonight (laughs) that, you know, kinetic believers understand. You need to understand that, you know what, no one else, no other entity empowers you. Nothing, no one Mm. is there to empower you or give you permission. Amen. You are already (laughs) empowered. And when you imagine yourself to be so, you are. Imagine yourself unwaveringly to be empowered and whatever must happen will happen. Circumstances will change. You don't have to do it all. Remember, you have 50% of this. You will be amazed at the things that will start to happen. Somehow your bowl of soup ends up steaming again, and you didn't put it in the microwave. It just showed up hot. (laughs) What's happening here? Things are changing. (laughs) You might find yourself in Europe rather than where you are right now. Either way, your life is going to continue to advance because you are holding fast to your imaginations. You know, the architect, the engineer, they do exactly the same thing that we're talking about. They, They unwaveringly hold their highest viewpoint of what they desire to manifest and then the creation begins to unfold along that path and and I'll tell you this a photograph of what you want a a photo a picture out of a magazine printed off whatever of what you want or what you desire on your refrigerator is not enough it's a beginning but that's not enough You must actively write, to journal, to imagine, to see, to act in agreement with the original genius of your purpose to imagine yourself into the image and to be unwaveringly certain that you are advancing toward what you are imagining for your life. And that genius of purpose, I've found that that many times for myself, I have underestimated the importance of it. Because when, you know, sort of the rubber hits the road where your manifestation and your belief is concerned, it is that genius of purpose that you're going to need burning and illuminated and ignited within you to constantly say, you're doing the right thing. This is the right thing. Oh, those people that were cut out of your life and it kind of hurt, that's the right thing. Stay the course, stay the course. But, the, but without that genius of purpose, you are completely untethered to, to the why and the how and the the the. the, the personal aspect of this journey well and you just catch a new fire don't you and you you are swinging your legs off of the bed at six in the morning and you begin your journey and and this is important you're making certain that you do not pay attention too much attention to the influence to the advice and to the suggestions of those around you once you have located that genius of purpose within your soul then let nothing deter your steps and don't confer or counsel with them any more about it because it's up to you. No one can know better than you. 
what is right for you. So you listen to what others say, but always confer with your journal expectations to form your own conclusions. Never ever allow other people to decide what you are to be, what you are to experience, what you are to feel, how you are to be emotionally, whether you should be happy or sad or joyous or glad, whatever. Locate your original purpose. Understand what makes you different and unique and then promote that. Feel that. And then to be what you feel that you want to be. And then when you overtly observe to consider, just to consider the opinions and the thoughts of all these other people, it is so easy to be misled by a false notion of some kind of obligation, some kind of responsibility to carry their water, to make them feel better, to make them feel happy, to make them successful, to make them anything is not your responsibility. In fact, it is a misplaced sense of your dominion to ever make somebody anything. Our responsibility is to make ourselves the best version of ourselves, and that is to the benefit of all others. I have a question. As we're going through this process and... and we, we have moments of, you know, we're, we're going along, we're doing great, we're journaling, this kinetic belief thing. I mean, we're just kicking butt. It's amazing. But then we have a moment. We derail. We have a moment where we know we were out of that, that unconditional love walk. We know that we stepped out of that. And I'm wondering, how, what is the fastest way to realign? Because a lot of times, I know for myself, I can, I can beat myself up sometimes. And, and it actually just makes the whole process take longer. And so I want to know, you know, when we step off that path and we are distracted, how do we get back on it very quickly? It's a great question. And the quickest way, again, is to go back to what we were talking about yesterday and make, make your kinetic belief a way of life. Be prepared before you step offline. Work on your affirmations in the morning and do your meditative practice when you go to lay down at night. And rather than trying to figure out what to do um, after something's happened, prepare for it. This is, the battleground is outside your front door, and it's even bigger often inside the front door. So prepare yourself intellectually, mentally, spiritually. Align yourself with your highest self, and then you're prepared. And the more you do this as a way of life, the quicker you realign with that. In fact, you get to the place where, regardless of the force that comes against you, it doesn't even budge you. You're standing still, having done all else. You continue to stand still. And the thing that's trying to knock you off of that pathway falls to the left. It falls to the right. It bounces. And it ultimately, sooner rather than later, the more you are determined to stand, will flee from you. That's really empowering, too, that idea of, you know, if you do get off track, don't give the off track moment a second thought. Just just jump right back in as if nothing happened. Just go, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's so easy to get caught up in the idea that, you know, life is casual. Yeah. Sure, we don't want to hurry or worry. But there's nothing casual about being able to experience your natural self, having a supernatural experience in this life. Don't waste days. We were talking the other day, and we figured out that, you know, two stoplights in a small town can have you sitting there waiting for it to turn green for about three and a half years over a lifetime. Well, we were figuring up how much time we're saving on the toll roads. 
here in Florida. And we and we figured it up and we said, okay, if it's if it's basically a hundred bucks a month, it's saving us. It was something crazy like twenty hours. So get busy. <laughs> get on it. Get on it. Don't waste a day. Every day is full of so much adventure, so yes. much excitement, so much life, so much liberty and freedom, so much of you that only you can present to this day. Picasso said, only put off until tomorrow what you are willing to die having left undone. Wow. Live today like it's your last day and go get it and be excited about the experiences <laughs> of it. And <laughs> just... You know, try, try, avoid as avoid as much windshield time as you can. How about that? <laughs> Take this forward. Let's work on some <laughs> highest viewpoints. Yeah. Just say this out loud. Just say that this is my one natural life. This is my one natural life. So I am in a hurry. So I am in a hurry. Not to be worried. Not to be worried. And I am aware of this truth. And I am aware of this truth. Because I'm manifesting my dreams into my reality. And I am manifesting my dreams into my reality. I'm living abundantly. I am living abundantly. I'm living a prosperous life. I'm living a prosperous life. I'm exuding the fullness of my joy. I'm exuding the fullness of my joy. I'm radiating positivity. I'm radiating positivity. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm the embodiment of success. I am the embodiment of success. I'm manifesting my greatest life. And I'm manifesting my greatest life. Yes, kinetic belief now. Now, now, now. <laughs> today, today. <laughs> not wasting any time. Not wasting a moment. Megan and I are sending out much love to all you KB yeah. creatives all around the world. And thanks as usual, Stephen, for all the wisdom. Bye.